0: Hey there, fellowship family. You are listening to a channel created for the church in Winchester, Virginia, and purpose to encourage, inspire, and equip you to love God and love others more and more. And this goes even beyond the church in Winchester. I'm Mark Francis, your host for today. And uh, with me at the roundtable today is once again the pastor of biblical counseling, John Morrison. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you doing? And we also have our local outreach pastor, Scott Santmeyer. Hi, right, Mark. How are you? Good. Excellent. So just a quick update. Remember that there is a video version of this on YouTube that you can subscribe to. And there's also an audio version that you can find at any of your podcast channels that you like to listen to. And they're released on a weekly basis on Friday. And this is our channel called For the Family. And we also have channels that are meant for a sermon um, spotlight. And there's also a channel that's for the global church. So log into those and check them out
1: as as you see fit. So, John, how are you today? And I'm doing okay. I encourage people on the podcast more than the video because I have a face for radio. So well, you know, here uh, you go, you get both. But, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. No, I'm uh, doing okay. Just glad to be indoors, out of this cool weather.
0: Yep. And Scott, I know you're here also because, you, well, first of all, you, you do a lot of different things around here. You have a lot of different hats. A few. A few. The local outreach being the big part of it, but we we just came off of Follow the Star just a month ago. And uh, you, you're a big part of that.
2: Yeah, fully recovered from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had a successful time with that. We look forward to seeing what the Lord does with it over the next few months. We always hear great stories
0: Yeah, uh, coming through that. Absolutely. So thanks for all your work with that. You know, you do a lot around here. And there's also, um, both of you guys have kids and grandkids. And were the holidays productive for you guys? They were. We had everybody at our home, so
1: that was that's a
2: a rarity for us but it was a good time
1: that's neat yeah john we we had uh we had most of our family at our house at christmas and that was great we had two of our grandkids and we had uh, our three sons we missed our daughter and her daughter uh, and her husband and their kids but uh, but we had one of our sons and his wife and the other two boys it was great family yeah
0: family is valuable it's important to to be around together with each other for the holidays and that's part of why we're here to talk about a little bit of family, but specifically kind of the unique design um, of men and how Mm -hmm. God has called us to fulfill that role as a man. Mm -hmm. And we're engaged in a focus here at FBC um, called Identity and Sexuality, Mm -hmm. and these last few podcasts have been centered around that. Last week we got a chance to hear from both you, John, and your wife, Diane, Mm -hmm. about the design for women. And, you know, it makes me think of just some of the things that that even I've learned and gleaned from this focus. Mm-hmm. And, and what I've heard so far in we're kind of this month of January, we're focusing on biblical foundations mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. identity and sexuality. Mm-hmm. And just kind of what does God really say about it before we dive into some of these really deeper conversations of what we might call distortions mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. identity and sexuality. But what I've heard really is that God has made us male and female mm-hmm. and that there is this creation mandate almost to Mm that to to fill the world and subdue it and Mm -hmm. genesis 1 talks about that but there's also i i've been hearing there's also other mandates that are really meant for all of us Mm -hmm. together that are not Mm -hmm. just male and female specific Mm -hmm. but each one of us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of them being the great commission yeah really yeah that we're called to to go out and make disciples of christ Mm -hmm. And, and i also think of even all the different one another's that are mm-hmm. in Scripture mm-hmm. that are not male and female specific. Right. right. So to really highlight that, um, I, I think we talked about that last week. That you know, there's really only a few things mm-hmm. that are specific to men mm-hmm. and specific to women. Yeah. So I think it's important to to start off the bat, um, mm-hmm. right off the bat, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. talk about that. Mm-hmm. But some of these unique commands to men and unique commands to women. Um, let's dive into that. Uh, because maybe John, you were you were part of the conversation last week, mm-hmm. but can you give us a quick summary of kind of what those specific designs of women were, and then we can kind of then dive into the the role of men.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Diane had a word that I thought captured it pretty well. She said that she felt like they the to the extent uh, like you just said, ninety five percent of the commands are to all of us, but there are these few commands that are just to women or just to men. And in that just to men or just to women, she made the point that for women, she felt like one word that might capture it as much as any would be the word nurture. Hmm. Uh, she happened to refer to a passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter two, where the apostle Paul says that like a nursing mother, he he cared for that body at Thessalonica. And then he goes on later to say, and as a father, I this, but he, he just set up um, a type of contrast by what a mother does and what a father does. And those were really, um, it was almost an offhanded comment by him. It's not, because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but but it's his way of saying what it is that a woman is, uh, who is married and who has children, what's characteristic of her. One of the things we said was that uh, the, the idea of what God says to women, and wh- and frankly, this is true about what we look at today, about what he says to men. When it comes to gender-related stuff, almost all of it, little bit of an exception with respect to the church, but almost all of it has to do with our relationship within a family structure as a husband or as a wife or as a parent. Mm-hmm. In other words, when God mm-hmm. is telling men what to do, he's not saying, and here is what I want for single men. Mm-hmm. He's not saying, here is what I want for single women. It's not that he doesn't have something he wants. The whole of scripture paints a picture of what he wants. It's that he gives specific gender assignments connected to their ability to do that thing that you said earlier, the Hmm. creation mandate, to Hmm. fill the earth. So if you're gonna fill the earth, you're gonna do it with children. And so he's gonna give directions to how you parent. Uh, If you're gonna do it, if you're gonna have children, he wants you to do it from within a marriage. And and so he's gonna tell you how to be married. And he's gonna talk about a little bit about how the man and the woman are to relate with one another he does that in the old testament he does it in the new testament so i think with respect to the woman the, the majority of what he says to her other than a little bit about her with respect to the church it it says things like um, she does her husband good and not ill all the days of her life it says that she uh, is a helper It says that she is to respect him. It says that she is to submit herself to him. That is, that she's not to compete with him for the fundamental role of leadership. Not to say she's not an equal. It makes a point to say that she Hmm. is. Uh, Not to say that her opinion doesn't matter. She ought to share her opinion. Uh, Not to say that the husband is to run over her, as we'll talk about today, and sort of direct her and act like he is the... Uh, the boss man, uh, That we'll look at that today, that that would be a terrible departure from God's design. Uh, But rather the idea that he told women in many ways, uh, some by command, some by painting a picture, that a woman was, in addition to the freedom to maybe have a business or something else, if she is married, her first commitment is to help her husband Hmm. It's to nurture her kids if she has kids, and it's to manage her home. Hmm. Whatever she does outside of that, as long as job number one has been taken care of, she is fulfilling her role Hmm. uh, within the the gender commandments that Scripture lays out.
0: And it's neat to think about that here we are in the middle of a, a focus at our church that's really meant and designed for families for parents to interact and engage with mm-hmm. their children. Mm-hmm. And before we can even engage in this concept of on topic of identity and sexuality, this, this role of a man and, and design of a woman is, is vital to understand mm-hmm. uh, part of our kind of foundations before we really dig into these other topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as men go, um, all three of us here are men, and we can speak, I think, a little bit to that, but more what does God have to say? Mm-hmm. So let's Good. let's dive into Scripture a little bit, dive into what has God directed us as men to do. Um, and you can think of it in a, in a positive and negative light. Think of it as as far as, like, what is our, our role or design for men? And then what is he also really said to, to try to avoid or what not to do? Maybe, like, a negative way of thinking about it. But kind of, Scott, I'll ask you first kind of, How do you see God's design for men in that positive way and even in the what not to do way? Mm -hmm.
2: John mentioned uh, a little earlier that uh, some of it's by command, some of it's by portrait. Mm -hmm. And I I tend to look at those portraits and uh, seeing the positive and negative of those things where I look at at Adam as being kind of the negative portrait of manhood Mm -hmm. and Jesus being the positive portrait of manhood where where Adam is, is, is passive and, and allows his wife to, to strike up a conversation with a, with a serpent and be deceived and, 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 and stands there and watches her mm. eat that piece of fruit. Um, doesn't step in, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go get that in between her mm. and evil. Mm. Uh, where Jesus, on the other hand, <clears throat> does exactly the opposite. He is that step between uh, the mm. sin of our lives mm. uh, and, a, and a and a an eternity with Him. Uh, he is proactive in everything He does. Uh, he is looking for ways to, uh, to to point out to people over and over again as He meets with them. Um, you know the the correct path to take. Mm. Um, and so you, I see those things and I, and I think, okay, those, those are great portraits for us to look at. Um, Boaz, uh, he's another one of my favorite man characters of the Bible. Um, you know, he, he does all the right things. Uh, he's, a, he's a man who, who owns lots of property and he could do whatever he wants, um, but he, he sees this, you know, single a woman who is uh, by by chance and by in his field, obviously God brought her to his field, uh, but she happens to be, or he happens to be, her closest relative, or almost her closest mm. relative. Mm. But he knows that he that he needs to to marry her. He needs to go find her closest closest relative, and mm. so he does all the right things. He's not mm. passive in it. He he makes forward steps in it, mm. uh, and 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 we see how that turns out.
0: So those are unique pictures and portraits of a man. John, are there specific kind of words or commands
1: or descriptions of a man from Scripture that you can point us to? Yeah, and I do think the way that you posed it by positive and negative is helpful. Hmm. I mean, if if this was a lengthy conversation, you could just focus on the positives for a while and then eventually get around to the negatives. But when we're trying to do it in more of a concise way, I guess I think— A little bit like what scott just did about positive and negative this way in genesis chapter 2 before the sin came into the world uh, god commands the man in verse 15 to tend and keep the garden before the woman's been provided and those words tend and keep are interesting habad and shamar because habad has to do with hands-on care it's like attending to a thing and And being responsible for it as you work it It, it's actually one of the words to translate habad is the idea of work um, meaning to to actually take responsibility in your own hands Um, shemar is more oversee more manage and so when god commanded the man to tend and keep the garden he was laying out a command for him that that i think i believe is meant to mark the way that a man moves into his world he is to be tending things that is he's hands-on in his care Hmm. and he's to be overseeing and managing things Uh, an example of this if you went to the new testament would be with uh, deacons and elders god doesn't set up unique qualifications for deacons and elders what he actually does is he he just god just wants a good man Uh, god just wants what is a good man well he says if, if uh, somebody uh, has these certain qualities, they can have a hands-on care for the church, that'd be a deacon, or they can have an oversight and management of it, that'd be an elder. Hmm. And so in a way, an elder and a deacon are really just the carrying out of a man being given these responsibilities, which I believe we have in our home. I believe we have in our work. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that women don't work. It doesn't mean women don't care and manage. But what it means is that there's a, a primary responsible to the man to provide a type of leadership and protection that Shamar shows, as well as an attention that, um, when Scott was talking about being proactive, this attention taking responsibility, it's not sitting back and mm. waiting for everybody to do it for you. Mm. If I was to look at the flip side, all right, the, like the warnings or the negative, yeah, it comes in the very next chapter, yeah, Genesis three. The minute sin comes into the world, what we see is this man who is to shamar his wife, protector, oh, you know, provide a a type of leadership and guardianship and uh, uh, all that. Instead, he throws her under the bus. He says, "Well, it's the woman; she's the one who gave me the fruit." So take take her out, you know. <laughs> By the way, it was your idea, God. i like the golden retriever. And, uh, and then you see it goes on and it says to the woman in verse 16, it says, and, and what's going to happen now is that because of sin, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And those two words are really interesting because that word desire is only used three times in the whole Bible. And it specifically means a desire to control. You will have a desire to control him, and he will rule over you, and he's not talking about headship. It's it's a totally different word than than what we find uh, later in the Bible about headship or leadership. It's specifically a word masal, meaning to harshly rule. So what we get is because of sin, men will have a tendency to be harsh. They'll have a tendency to be dominating. And when we get to the New Testament, God is going to give us some specific commands to offset that. He's gonna tell us, I want you to lay your life down for her like Christ did for the church. Hmm. I I want you to live with her in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel because she's a woman, yet grant her honor as a co-heir of the grace of life. Hmm. Why? Well, because ever since sin, this man who is to habad and shamar in his home and in his work to take personal responsibility, habad, And to take oversight and management, Shamar, he is going to have a tendency instead to move towards passivity. He's going to have a tendency to shift the blame on others. He's going to have the tendency to rile up in his anger or avoid failure at all costs. (laughs) So really, when I think about it, I think the commands God basically makes are, I want you to tend and keep your family. I want you to tend and keep at your work and Guy, most people's work will either be more of a tending or more of a of a managing. Hmm. It's gonna tend to float between those. But it's interesting that any field you're in, you're if you're a orthodontist, you are hands-on tending to straightening out these teeth. You're not mm-hmm. primarily sitting back and helping make sure everybody else does. Mm-hmm. There's an element of that. But um, and 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 so I think it's just good to see that uh, God's really got a forward place for a man to go where he wants, I want you to lead, but I want you to lead with the type of humility that Jesus showed. I want you to lead with the type of care that Jesus showed, Mm -hmm. the type of self-sacrifice. And so when I look at the commands that are unique to the man, they're specifically in the realm of uh, leadership, of oversight, of management, of hands-on care, Mm care. And, and of a of a caring protection. Hmm.
0: Um, it's interesting you put in that light. I mean, what, especially in the positive and negative, or the the way of looking at kind of the God perspective, and then maybe even like the human perspective, if you want to look at it that way. What are some implications to families, implications to the church, to the society, hmm. when when it goes right or when it goes wrong? Hmm. Uh, and, and both you guys have maybe experiences or stories, but just kind of. Paint a picture of what that might look like. Hmm.
2: Uh, when it goes wrong, we're seeing that lived out um, almost daily in the news. Uh, I, I, there's not a day that goes by that you don't hear some sort of of court proceeding uh, where it is some man who's being tried uh, because of his involvement with multiple women or his his way he is. Using the power that he has to to influence their decisions, and um, the, the unfortunately that is the that's you know we're seeing that lived out more and more every day, um, and I don't think we at the church are are any any less um, responsible uh, in that because we see the same thing happening with pastors that we you know we'll hear about in the news. You know, where they're using their position to to influence women, and um, and of course that you know, those are the extremes. Uh, those are the extremes. Yep. You know, you you bring that back to the home, and you you have you know men who are just passive, you know, and allowing their wives to uh, to fend for themselves. Uh, a lot of times, it's almost mm-hmm. as if they're they're roommates, um, and they're not partners in, in the gospel, so to speak, but, um, but we see that lived out in the church, unfortunately, quite yeah. a bit.
1: Yeah yeah I think like if I think about society with, on the society side of things and you ask, how does this show up? Um, the idea of the idea of a man who um, has a high view of women, regards them well, respects them, and yet still takes leadership, yet still protects. Now, with respect to the commands in the Bible on men the, that we talked about earlier, the Bible doesn't talk about all men being in charge of all women or somehow having a leadership responsibility over all women. There, There is one woman who is to submit herself to him, not necessarily any other woman. Um, and then in the church, there is a submission where the Bible says that women are not to teach or exercise authority over men. So there are those, those kinds of things. But, um, but what I see in terms of society is men seem to fall on one side or the other. They either become arrogant, demanding, controlling, misogynistic, you know, hating women, uh, um, arrogant people who who control what women wear, who control what women say, who don't value them as an equal. And you see that whole thing, certainly. Or you see the opposite. But the opposite, I'm not talking about a positive opposite of somebody who respects and regards and treats as an equal and and, uh, uh, and loves and all. But I'm talking about more what ends up happening where men often back up and just say, look, there are so many problems, you guys take it over. Hmm. And so in a sense, I think that sometimes our society has become really scornful of men, and often it's in response to how scornful men have been of women for so long. In other words, what's happened is the pendulum switches where enough people have stood up and said, men, you have massaled women, and it's, it's time that it's over. Well, that's true unfortunately, that's often what it means is any man who exercises leadership, even if there's humility, even if there's tenderness, even if there's respect carrying out his role, if there is some scent that that somebody doesn't like what they get, they're going to bring out this card of, of, of an attack on, hmm. on men. So I think society has it very uh, mixed up. Um, and I, I think, frankly, it gets mixed up on the other side of... Uh, Women, where society wants women to be as seductive as possible and, quote, unquote, at the same time as equal as possible. But it sets up a whole manipulative kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. Within the church, I think the the church seems to fall off on one side or the other uh, in a somewhat similar way. Either you get guys who want to honor the structure the Bible describes of men in a leadership role in the church or in the home, but they end up becoming rigid, they end up becoming inflexible, they end up becoming uh, disrespectful of women, they don't listen, they don't engage in a conversation. And, and so that's one thing I see. Or on the flip side, it's like, let's just let the women take over. And so I, I guess I see that same type of thing in society as I do in church. Um, and, and I guess I would just love to see more men who could step up to the plate in their home as a leader but do it in such a way that a wife knows he is he honors me he respects me he values my input hmm. he's got not only it, it you know it's not that he sees himself as my helper and I'm in charge it's that I'm his helper but I notice how highly he views me and I that was actually one of the reasons I wanted Scott to be part of this discussion is hmm. because I've watched Scott Um, for well over 20 years. And I've watched the high view he has of his wife, but I've watched the leadership he exercises in his home. Hmm. I've watched how he leads his sons and daughter, um, but how at the same time he really values Karen. And I've seen how she respects him, but I've also seen how uh, she is able to have a, a, a wide influence and so i don't see anything in his home that looks like demeaning women hmm. but i also don't see it like men backing up and uh failing to take leadership and strength and that's so admirable to me I mean that was one reason i wanted to be able to have a conversation like this with him yeah that's great
0: yeah. and so maybe scott this can be your question but <laughs> if you know if some of these key themes for what god has called men specifically to be and do which is oversee tend lead and we, we've heard the stories and the implications of some of the positives and negatives. How, how do we live that out as men? And maybe this is an overall question, not just to men, but just us as, as a whole, how do we live a life that God has called us to live mm-hmm. and, and how do we lead in, in a godly way? How do we tend and oversee in a godly way? What does that mm-hmm. really look like on a daily day basis?
2: Yeah, I think first of all, I, I know me personally, um, I didn't have, I didn't have another man in my life that said, this is what a man does. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have anybody speaking into my life that, that said, this is, this is the definition of a man. This is what it is. And, um, so I, I stumbled around quite a bit, uh, for quite a while, um, trying to kind of hang principles on something and, um. So that was one of the things with our sons that I didn't want to happen. I, I wanted them to have a, uh, a foundational uh, truth of what a man was biblically, so that they knew they could spot a man, and that they could say, "Yeah, that's that's what I want to become. Mm-hmm. I want to you know want to become a man." Uh, so that was one of those things that I thought through so much and it just didn't have any way or anything to go and it um, wasn't until I uh, read a book from, from um, Robert Lewis uh, he uh, he wrote a book raising a modern day Knight and that gave me a lot of of, uh, of ground to run on mm-hmm. uh, a track to run on mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it was about gathering these, these young men, these young boys at the time, with their friends and their friends' fathers and crafting a group together uh, that was focused on being a man uh, in a way that was healthy and safe and biblical um, and, and something that they could look back on years later and go, yeah, that's where I learned responsibility. That's where I learned to reject passivity. That's where I learned that God has something greater for me if I'm willing to wait. Hmm. Uh, and those are some of the key things that we try to, to teach these young men um, hmm. in those in those small groups. Because
0: each of you have three boys, men, mm-hmm. yes, and mm-hmm. and a girl, a woman. Mm-hmm. They're all grown up now, yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. both of you guys have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are, what are the things that are on your mind as you continue to interact with your kids and grandkids? What, what specifically do you pass on? And again, kind of that, that godly perspective of what it looks like to
1: be a man. I think one for me goes back to something Mike Lukens, our pastor of worship and media arts, uh, pointed out to me 20 years ago. He had just read a book called "Raising a Modern." I mean, uh, not raising. That was a "Raising a Modern Day Night Was a good book, but family-based uh, ministry. But talking about uh, family-based youth ministry by Mark DeVries, and Mike said this kind of makes me think different. He said, "I think a paradigm shift has taken place for me." You want to read it? And at the time, my role was pastor of family life, and so I read it and was so intrigued because this guy did this longitudinal study over churches from under 100 people up to 10,000, across many denominations, some that were great at Bible study, some that were great at missions, some that were great at worship, some that were great at outreach, all had different elements. He found out, his goal was to find out that over a period of time, I think it was eight or nine years, he wanted to know what was the single most predictable uh, component that could enable a kid who's 17 years old, raised in a Christian home, to be following Christ at age 25. He came away, he said, I had a number of hypotheses, but what actually turned out to be the answer was not one I had in my mind. Hmm. And the one he came out, he said, hands down, there was no second place. It was the number of believing adults who were involved in the lives of those kids other than their parents. Hmm. Hmm. And he gave story after story, vignette after vignette. uh, He gave examples. And it began to open my eyes to recognize how community is meant to influence the shaping of the next generation in a personal way. And both Scott and I benefited from getting to do some of that. And we really, both of us as well as other guys I know, would really urge the importance of building good friendships with other adults so that your kids can know them. So your kids know it's not just what mom and dad taught me. Mm -hmm. It's part of a whole field of truth exemplified in community Hmm. and so uh, that became really really important uh, to me and still is and when I hear from my kids there's not a time that I talk with my adult kids where I don't hear that they've had some interaction with one of my friends Hmm. even you know with them living in another state Hmm. I'll see one of my sons and he'll say oh yeah I talked to so and so recently and it's some other 60 year old and I'm just thinking, praise God yeah. that these people took that interest. Our daughter, the same way. She'll mention somebody. And and so I, I just really believe that uh, none of us parents has it within ourselves to completely shape what God wants to do. We have a responsibility, and we need to take it front and center. Hmm. But by the same token, we need to realize, hey, I need relationships built in Christ, and my kids do too, and because they're going to get some little element of what a man or a woman is, Um, and maybe what they could be or do that will help them and uh, i'm seeing it right now our youngest son is in school he's in college now the others are all long since out and uh, as he's around a number of really good men who are older right from the very beginning of his schooling i've been so interested to watch some of the changes i see happening in him and i can track some of the changes i see including the shamar, I never saw any real element of shamar in him, the idea of managing or mm-hmm. oversight. Mm-hmm. I saw him being pretty good at a task. I'm actually hearing him now say to me things like, uh, hey, pray for me, I'm, I'm really trying to learn to be more sensitive to the other people in my squadron so that I can see needs and attempt to help find a way that God might want to meet them and partially use me. Hmm. Well, that to me is because somehow he's seeing that kind of thing in operation in people other than his dad.
3: Yeah. So. What a great
0: challenge. I mean, for any man watching or listening to, to say, yeah, I can go beyond my family. That's the call of the church, mm-hmm. to, to, to be a gathering of people who are supporting and building each other up. You know, I think of key phrases that are here at Fellowship Bible Church, but relational discipleship mm-hmm. is one, doing it within the family, but doing it outside of the family, mm-hmm. and authentic fellowship mm-hmm. being another one of just engaging people in community whether it be on a Sunday morning or a small group or one-on-one time hanging out. Mm-hmm. And, and, Scott, that's what you were referring to with your kids, of sure. engaging them and, uh, and pointing them to Christ with, with others. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I think back to something that was even last week, something that Diane mentioned. And, you know, we, we have this call of what a man is meant to really look like and what a woman is meant to look like. And she even admitted, man, I think that my personality doesn't exactly suit <laughs> some of these things you know and 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 so she pointed she said she essentially would have to take a deep breath and be pointed to christ in those moments to to re- remind herself of what god has called her to do as a woman in that role mm-hmm. is there any spe- anything specific mm-hmm. as a man where either of you guys have had moments where you say man i don't i can't see myself doing that mm-hmm. I, i'm not a leader." I'm not an overseer, and I might not be a tender. <laughs> it, it, so maybe speak to that for a second of just how does that play in your life if you're saying, if, whether it's you or somebody listening, isn't necessarily saying, man, I can't measure up to that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think when we measure ourselves, number one, with what we think are our natural abilities, I think we're forgetting that the Holy Spirit resides within yeah. us as yeah. as believers and that we have untapped reservoirs of strength there. Um, so when we do feel like we're in an in over our heads, so to speak, whether that be in that tending and keeping or managing or leading, uh, that that we have the ability to to call on the strength of the Lord. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, again, back to my picture of of adam and jesus you know jesus is in the garden of gethsemane just hours uh, before his crucifixion and he is calling on the lord for strength to Mm. get through this and if there's any way to remove this then that would be great but if not i am willing to follow that path Uh, again he rejects that passivity that so men are are about Mm. um but because of the, the strength of the spirit within us, I believe we, we we're untapped, yeah. or we've untapped
0: it. That's great. Yeah,
1: and, and I think of, uh, and this is true for all Christian growth, but I think part of it is y- you. You made a comment. You were kind of quoting from what Diane said about her personality not being, not lending itself naturally, uh, to, being a nurturer. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think that what it requires to make change, I I think of two main things. One is the humility and the honesty to see it when the Holy Spirit shows it to you. Um, In Diane's case, what she's saying is, I see that God has made some commands about what a woman is to be and to do that don't come naturally to me. She could have run the other way. She could have just argued with it and said, well, I don't want to be like that. That's just rigid or that's something. But instead, what she said is, God, I'm not naturally well set for that. So it's that humility that enables you to see. Like I think about me, for example. Uh, I was in the first year of my marriage, and Diane and I had some conflict over some things, and I kept trying to change her uh, about those because I really felt like they were things she needed to modify. I... (laughs) <laughs> I just thought that, you know, uh, she needed to grow up in some specific ways. And I had a real plan for her. You know, I love you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. It's to become more like me, you know. And, <laughs> and, and what's uh, wrong with that? <laughs> and what's wrong with that? Yeah. And what was she thinking about you? <laughs> yeah. That's the question. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but, but I at that time, I still remember, I was in seminary. i uh, been married just under a year. And I ran across, in the course of a Bible study, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, and I read these words, likewise, husbands, and the likewise goes back not only to what he said about wives just up above that, but what he said about Christ right before it. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so your prayers will not be hindered. And I looked at that and I thought, is my focus on understanding Diane or on changing her? Hmm. Well, I knew the answer. Mm-hmm. And is my goal to treat her in a gentle way because she's a woman? It says to treat her as a weaker vessel. It's not, be, it's not talking about physical strength. It's talking about there's a difference in the way that things hit her. Like things would offend her. They would not offend my buddies or my roommates, and I would want her to get over it. I want her to go, sarcasm's funny. Put downs are funny. And she'd say, no, they're not. And I wanted to modify her and make her more like me. Praise God it didn't work. And, and praise God she was strong enough to not try to rebel and drive me down, but instead saying, I just don't think it's funny. Mm-hmm. And that allowed enough time for God to correct me and say, John, you're not living with her your understanding. You're not treating her as a weaker vessel. And if you keep trying to change her, you're not treating her as a co-heir of the grace of life. You're acting like your way is better. And it broke me. Hmm. And I don't mean that's the last time that that's happened. Right, I right. just mean that I believe the two things that are required is, am I humble enough to see the things in me that are not like Jesus? And am I open enough to his instruction and correction to let him, through his power, change me into becoming what he's called me to be? Right.
0: Walking in the spirit and listening to what he wants you to do in the moment. That's, it? that's great. That's it. Yeah. So if we can kind of wrap this up, uh, there's a lot of different things we've gotten a chance to, to go over. How, how would each of you guys summarize this? Um, God's call and God's perspective and design of a man. Um, what's your big takeaway nugget here?
2: Yeah, I think, again, I go back to that passive piece of man that is so easy to be passive. Um, and ask the asking you know, a man asking himself why why do I find that so easy to be passive hmm. you know what what about me is is so easy to 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 just step back and to allow life to just wash over me um, what keeps me from being proactive in my marriage proactive in my family proactive in my uh church community proactive in the community at large what keeps me from doing that um, and I, I there's a lot of soul searching questions in there um, and it may take a while for them to dig back in there to figure that out but there's got to be a reason for that uh, beyond because of sin in our lives it's real easy for men to be passive right. sure. um, uh, but how do they end the in their walk with Christ, how do they make those next right steps?
0: To lead, to step up and just do it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. John? And for me, I guess rather than saying a summary, because I think that's a good summary, I would just say maybe more of a takeaway like what would be the last word I'd want to sure give on it for me. <clears throat> it would be to encourage all men, encourage myself, encourage all of us to resist the inborn tendency to masal, that is to to, uh, exercise a dominating perversion of leadership Hmm. that attempts to dominate and control someone to become what you want them to be, rather than loving them, meeting them where they are, and learning to lead and guide by a humble and steadfast example um, I think that would be it I just think that we have to look at both our negative tendency and the positive call that he has invited us to take part in and and to have your confidence in Christ in doing that because if you say look I'm I'm 64 and 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 I could say you know the die is set I'm stuck the way I am it's not true If you're a Christian, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, God makes all things new. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, And we know that God always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Now, if that is true, then God is saying, Don't ever give up because I don't. And I'm going to make you into somebody who's more like Christ. That's the reason you're still on earth. Hmm. Because by that, I'll get glorified. Hmm. So to me, that... It's probably mine. That's favorite. great.
0: Yeah. And, and as we kind of wrap up this time here, we're also wrapping up this kind of biblical foundation segment of our focus. Um, you can always go to the Home Center for all these resources. Um, and you can also go to our website online, um, fbcva.life slash identity. will take you to a lot of different resources where this podcast will be found, along with uh, notes um, that we have from the different classes that we've been doing. And I'm excited because I really believe that as we turn this corner out of the foundations, we've had a great um, understanding of what God's call is for us. So when we then approach either those around us or the world around us, um, I think we'll be empowered <laughs> to to speak truth into mm-hmm. people's lives um, that, that might need that. And even the next week's podcast, we'll get a chance to look at a single person's life and how he gets a chance to live that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentioned today that a lot of these are meant for kind of being married but I think there's still a lot of application you even bet. for single people sure. um, so we'll get a chance to see how get a chance to living out our sexuality um, will be over these next couple of weeks so thank you guys for being here and thank thanks you for being a uh, part of this podcast and um, you can go to the show notes to, to, to submit questions we're going to be mm. um, fielding questions over mm. this these next few weeks looking forward to some panel discussion times with those questions as well and uh, you know just I just want to encourage each one of us here to let Christ be our focus um, each and every day, and uh, he'll guide us. So thanks again, guys, and until next time, thanks for keep watching, and uh, talk to you soon.